Hi everyone and welcome to Way Out West Texas. This is our latest podcast. We know it's been a while so we'd like to welcome you all back and we'd like to thank you all for tuning in and we'd like to invite all of you to visit us on our Way Out West Texas page on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and are we on Twitter, Charlie? Yep. We are also on Twitter. This podcast is going to be a little bit different. Uh, If any of you out there are following us on our Way Out West Texas page, you will have noticed in the last couple of months that our son Tyler and his wife and their two boys have bought property and have begun their off-grid dream here in the desert of West Texas. And it's been a a reality check because they are coming from Wisconsin. And so at this time, I'd like to introduce Tyler and Teresa. Y'all say hi. Hello. And so Tyler, Teresa, tell us what your plans are right now. Oh, as far as plans, well, trying right now to get the house done to to get moved into it. Uh, We'll be at a point where we're going to be basically... uh, bill free once we get there so awesome that is something to really strive for uh there's a lot of our podcast listeners that aren't aren't following us on way out west texas tell them a little bit about your house and how you came to came to uh get this house and and why you uh settled here in west texas uh so what we did or well Start off, we've been looking for property for probably eight, ten years. And with property values uh, in a lot of the country being the way they are, it just, we could never make ourselves sit down and do it or or we weren't in a position financially to be able to, to purchase a place or we would be at a point where we were going to and and the cards just didn't fall right and there would be a problem with with property or or something along those lines and uh well you have to tell the story of how your wife teresa (laughs) came across your home that you are literally completely not demolishing, but let's say gutting, I guess would be a good word here. But you have to tell this story how Teresa came to find it. Well, we start off, we happened to just here close to you guys, stumbled across a parcel of land for sale, uh, really cheap, uh, really cheap property taxes. And one of the big things that was a draw for us is there's no building code or anything like that. So we were open to be able to do whatever we wanted. And we originally started looking uh, at doing the shed to cabin. And uh, at the time, after the land purchase, we didn't have the the money to be able to outright buy a cabin large enough or a set of cabins large enough for all of us to live in in any kind of comfort. And we looked at doing the rent to own, uh, and that is something that if I come across people looking at that, I always try and steer them away from it. Uh, 
when we looked at it, the the price to do and rent to own, it was gonna it it's just a very poor financial decision to go. Oh, that and the route. interest on those. The interest rate on them uh, on one of the cabins we were looking for, by the time you paid interest, you'd be in the thirty thousand dollar range for a a shell cabin. Now we do need to clarify. Your dad and I, Charlie and I. Uh, live in a shed to cabin actually two shed to cabins uh that we or sheds that we married together but we were blessed enough and worked very diligently to have the money to buy them outright we didn't have to do the payment plan we did look at the payment plan but holy moly that interest is just it it, it's crazy but we anyway uh, we bought our (laughs) bought our place and we were looking at that and we decided we didn't want to go that route and then we kind of settled on the idea of uh, we're going to do an earth bag uh, build which is uh, possibly still in the plans but we wanted to be able to like you said we were living in central Wisconsin and, and this is down in far southwest Texas and between work and everything else you know it started off when we first got the place we were able to get down here about once a year for a week and it's just so hard to get anything done and isn't that something though that you need to let other people that are thinking of doing this you know there are so many people out there right now the off-grid movement let's call it a movement seems to be growing and we see that a lot down here in Texas, West Texas, where we're at. The land is cheaper than it is in a lot of other places. But we see these people that jump off, especially with small children, and they're not prepared. And uh, isn't that something you would like to touch on, Tyler and Teresa, about uh, if you're going to do this, uh, what to expect and what to what to strive for and what to uh, not have grand grand dreams that you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. Uh, uh, like Dad has said numerous times, you have to have you have to do your 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 research. Uh, what we've seen a lot out in this area, people buy land sight unseen. Uh, and it's not just here. I've seen it on several of the Facebook pages uh, for off-gridding. Uh, people do it. it that seems it happens quite often. And I believe in doing research. Now, our place, we kind of, we bought kind of sight unseen, but we had the advantage of we had you guys close and the properties we were looking at, we were sending dad out and we would- Excuse me, I went too. And, and you, <laughs> uh, dad went on a lot of them and then uh, you guys both went on some and we would FaceTime or something like that. And right, we could you see got what to was see, going on and, you got to see in real time, you and Teresa got to see in real time the property and how it laid and the roads in and out. And you got to see it in all four seasons, whether it was springtime and 100 degrees or summertime and 117 degrees or wintertime and 90 degrees. Right. And we, uh, 
Well, it didn't, like I said, it ended up, the place that we ended up with ended up real close to you guys here. Uh, was set up really pretty well. I think it would had gone a long time without anybody looking at it because there was no access into it. But of a lot of the places we looked at, getting access into it was probably, it was probably one of the easier places. So that was the first thing we did is uh, we built a road in. Uh, took a couple days, uh, rented a, a backhoe and, and cut a road in. And the property's got, really had two places kind of naturally laid out for that were built were building could be building areas and uh and we went from there and uh and now your house that you do have up there and now your house that you do have up there uh tell us how that came to be like i said you have to tell this story because your wife is the ultimate shopper she can find a deal and she can sell ice to Eskimos. I swear she could. But anyway, tell the story about how you came and what you actually paid for your house. Uh, so we just started searching. We wanted to get down here. Uh, and and it, as of kind of now, uh, the idea, I guess, is not necessarily the plan because the only set plan is that plans are going to change. Uh, <laughs> The idea right now is that we'll get moved out there and then once we're settled in our house that we have there, uh, I'll start building, Teresa and I is basically our retirement home. Uh, build it myself, uh, with help from the kids and you all, uh, and we'll be mortgage free and, and hopefully have a nice comfortable house for us. But uh, we started looking for a way to get down here, uh, something, a way to get started. And Teresa come across a used mobile home. Uh, a large used mobile home. On, uh, I believe it was on Facebook, on a trading page uh, for one of the communities here close. And we contacted the people, and uh, the price of it was, it was free to whoever could come and get it <laughs> and that was the thing is you had to pay to have it moved and it's a I believe it's a 14 by 80 mobile home and so we told her we were interested in it and we started calling around getting quotes for moving a mobile home and it really come out it wasn't near as expensive as we thought it would be and it cost us uh if I remember right uh $2,400 to have it moved uh, about 95 <coughs> miles and set on jacks. And uh, you guys helped us out a great deal on that. I was going to say, getting, again, you guys were in Wisconsin. Yeah, we were in Wisconsin time. and did everything Teresa and by I phone. And you and I and Dad and you, we were all FaceTiming and taking video and letting you guys know what was going on so you could be a part of this experience because it is your experience. Uh, now, how far have you gotten on this mobile home? Now that you have it out there on your 60 acres and uh, you've, you and your dad and Teresa and the boys have really been working every time you get a rotation off, uh, tell us where you're at with it. Uh, well, we put all new subfloor throughout the house. Uh, we lack one bathroom. 
doing all new electric through it. Uh, there's going to be some insulation and, uh, and then we're going to have to do, and we're going to do siding and, uh, all new plumbing, uh, a kitchen and stuff. And we're setting it up so that our plumbing, like our plumbing, we're going to use gray water recycling, uh, for part of our water to help reduce our water usage. And, uh, uh, as of right now, the plan is, I guess, to be, uh, to set it up off grid. Uh, we'll have, uh, right now we're leaning heavily towards solar and then uh, probably wind backup for power. There you go, there we go. That's what Charlie and I do here on Way Out West Texas. Uh, we have a large solar power system and we do have wind turbines. So like right now, even though the sun is pretty much down, I look out the window and I can see our wind turbine making electricity and that, that's very cool but something that you brought up Tyler uh, was these are your plans and I'd like to touch or I'd like you and Teresa to touch a little bit on that when these people uh, decide to do this when they decide to go off-grid or to farmstead or live off the land or be self-sustainable uh, what are your suggestions for these people doing that Uh, you have Besides to. Besides patience, <laughs> patience is a virtue, and I'm not very good with patience. But uh, your wife is shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not good at it at all. I honestly have no patience. Uh, so you have to have patience. It, it's good to create an idea, write down a list of what you want, how you want to do things, or what what in the property you want uh but don't write them in ink don't write them in ink or it's <laughs> going to change uh when we originally started out like i said we were going to build a home on my days off uh when we could get down here and run we're close we're fairly close to power we're only 660 foot from the closest uh trend uh power lines so it's not a big deal for us to run uh, on grid. Uh, but as plans have changed with the, uh, with the, with just trying to look out for, not necessarily just in finances, but for future finances, uh, having it so that we're not, you know, foot in the bill all the time. And uh, there's so many people that come out here, and Charlie can attest to that. Uh, we have numerous people contact us about how did we do this, how did we do that, and they they literally have thrown everything that they own into a 20 year old camper or a, a repossessed bus and put their down payment on 10 acres, let's say, out in the middle of this desert, and they've got kids, and then reality sets in. They're like, uh-oh, you know, they don't have a way to escape the heat. And Teresa said that's one of the main things down here that she's learning. You have to have a way to escape the heat. But 
they don't have a water supply or an electrical supply. Uh, what do you suggest, you and Charlie? What do you suggest to people that are doing this and starting out? You know, I want this podcast to be informative. I want to, you know, introduce Tyler and Teresa. But I also want to tell people that if this is your dream, do it. But pay attention. We've been there. We've done that. And uh, do your due diligence. So what do you yeah, guys that, suggest? That's what I always tell everybody, you know, do your own research. Don't say, well, I read in a book that you can do this. Because, for instance, building codes in our county, if you're outside of city limits, there's no building restrictions. But the next county over, one of the few they have is you can't do the shed to cabin to live in. You know, and and I mean, that's four miles away. A neighbor of mine four miles away, you know, it's a totally different situation for them. But, you know, and do your research. There's one area out here that land is really, really cheap. But if you, uh, if you want to drill a water well, their usable water is fifteen to eighteen hundred foot deep, so a water well will end up and cost you a hundred thousand dollars. That or you have to drive forty, forty five miles to town to buy water. You know. Like I said, you know, do your research. That's that's the where you gotta start. Don't put yourself in harm's way. Yeah. Right. I the we see a lot of people just jump off both feet in the deep end uh, and try and make a go of it. And do making a move to this style of life or this lifestyle, I don't necessarily agree with doing it. Sometimes that's how you have to do, but I'm a firm believer that you don't want to do that unless you have a way if, if things go terribly wrong, that you have a backup. That you have an exit plan or You've a backup. Got, yeah. Uh, now, we've been a couple years here. Uh, we were pretty lucky. I end up working on a rotation. So instead of being able to get down here for a week, a year, I was able to get down here once or twice a month, sometimes once every other month, and, and do some work. And... Uh, and then we come to a point where uh, we were kind of, we could stay where we were at another year, fight through the winters of, of central Wisconsin and the cold weather, which Teresa was not, ha- not, she was not keen on. Well, in her defense, you work out on the road uh, for a large, large company and she was there in Wisconsin having to take care of thousands of feet of snow and frozen water lines and cars that won't start because it's 172 below zero. <laughs> For but, eight months. Yeah. So we came to a point where we could either stay or we could just jump and go. And and we're lucky in the, in the, in the way that... We were financially stable and everything enough for us to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a, a two thousand mile move, uh, and and did it fairly rapidly, 
because we were able, you know, we, we had the financial ability to, but more because we were not jumping into an area where we didn't know if there was going to be work or, you know, anything like that because of my job, I'm, I travel anyway, so it doesn't really matter where I live. And so I can keep the, I was able to keep my same job. So we have the income and, and go ahead and do it. Okay. So that's a question. The income, uh, said, you know, for these people that are, that are doing this, we get asked all the time. Uh, and it's like I said, all the time, uh, First, we're either accused of not being true off-grid because we do have outside income. I work full-time. Now, Charlie doesn't. He's retired now. Uh, we've been blessed in that aspect that he was able to retire at a fairly young age. Uh, I completely disagree with that, that just because I work outside the home does not mean that we're not off-grid because we are 100% off-grid. But... Uh, there's so many of these people that are doing this that think that they're going to be able to live off the land and completely support themselves off the land and not have any bills. And I would like to address that issue. No matter how you're, how you're living, whether you're living in an apartment in New York City or in a shed to cabin conversion in West Texas, or you're living in a log cabin in Idaho, you're always going to have expenses. And whether you're off grid, whether you're on grid, whether you're urban <coughs> or rural, you're going to have expenses. So what do you suggest? What do you like to tell people that are going to do this? Well, a lot of that is, like I said, doing your research. There are people that that move down here, you know, and maybe they do plan to work. But this area, there's, you know, it, it's a pretty desolate area. The biggest town in the county is 2,000 people. And, you know, there's just not a lot of work here. You know, and we have friends that live in Idaho. It's the same way. It's 45 minutes to town, and it's a small town. Yeah. They're very desolate. You know, uh and like Shelly said, there are just certain things that you have to have that it's not not easy to provide, you know, simple things, medication, you know, a bottle of aspirin, you know. Those kind of things, there are expenses that regardless of how well you do homesteading, that you're gonna to have to buy. So you're gonna to have to have some kind of income. And we're working hard towards getting uh, ourselves where we're self-sufficient, where we can make income off this farm. But you know, we're, we're going on four years now and we're just now getting a garden going good. You know, our rabbitry, we, we've just got yeah, our, going. Our rabbitry, we're just getting up and growing. and. You know, we're, we've done pretty good with chickens. We have a pretty never-ending supply of eggs. You know, and I'm, and I'm, we're blessed, and I'm thankful that we have that, but it doesn't come easy. 
and it doesn't come fast. You have to work at it. You have to have patience. But anyway, Tyler, so what do you suggest to these people that are going to live this life? Teresa, what do you suggest? Well, it's definitely, you know, it's a research thing. There are there are parts of the country where if you have the upfront overhead cost of stuff, that you could make a, a probably be able to completely sort uh, support a family uh, without having to work out of the home. Well, uh, as you said now, earlier, you and Teresa have two boys, teenage right. boys. Your dad and I, it's just your dad and I and all of our critters. So it's completely different setup for us compared to you. And so what about these families that are planning on taking their kids and moving to the middle of nowhere, wherever it may be, and doing this life? I I personally, if you have very young kids, I don't suggest it. Uh, as long, well, it's not that I don't suggest it. It's... You have to be a lot more selective about where you're gonna do it. Okay. This area out 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 in this area and and the next county over, some of these ones, uh, the next place over. If you've got a small kid that gets rattlesnake bit, you're a hundred miles to the closest hospital in any direction. On bad roads. And, and on bad roads, and it it's a hundred miles. It's gonna take you two two and a half hours to travel. Well, here's a strange question. If there was three things that you could tell somebody that's going to start this lifestyle, they're going to put everything in their truck and move to this type of lifestyle, what would those three things be? Teresa? That's a hard one. <laughs> forget about things? Forget about days off. Yeah. Well, for me, it would be make sure you have a water supply. Yes, water is very critical anywhere you go. Make sure you have a way to get out of the elements, whether it's mm -hmm. the cold in Wisconsin or it's the <laughs> 110 degree days in West Texas. That would be the second thing. And third, uh, and I know this sounds really fruity or whatever, but I would make sure that you have some type of support system. Yep. Uh, we're we're very charlie and i are very self-sufficient and we have always at the drop of a hat mainly because his job told us to moved cross-country numerous times and we became knowledgeable let's use that word on what would prepare you for a large move and that was the three things i always made sure okay where can i go to get groceries uh, who who do I pay to get our water turned on? We can do without electricity, but we can't do without water. Well, I think a lot of, you know, spending the better part of 30 years living a lifestyle where it was, you know, drop everything at, you know, everything at the, at the turn of a hat and pack a bag and leave, you know, heading to the, out on the eastern seaboard or heading to western Kansas or southern Colorado or western Wyoming or, you know, all the time moving somewhere. It, I think it's made all of us really good about being able to... We're adaptable. We're adaptable Very good. moving into <laughs> a community. That's a good word. Making, you know, friendships and connections. And uh, lifestyle changes. And lifestyle changes to be able to settle in a place. Uh, 
and and for especially for Teresa and I making a move like we did, uh, you know, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, but if you've never moved before, if you've never made a big move, be prepared. Yes, you're gonna lose something every time. <laughs> Uh, How many times have we moved? Somewhere in this world, there's a large moving box full of t-shirts that belongs to me. I'm not sure where they're at, but <laughs> there's also we a lost large kitchen box. utensils last time. We lost, but see, every baking pan and cooking pan that we own at one point. So yeah, so you know, if you're gonna make a big cross country move, especially if you're <clears throat> now coming to a lifestyle like this, you want to be minim a minimalist. To a point. Right. I was going to say, you need to figure out ahead of time what you're going to be able to live without. Because right. even us moving down here, we had to get a storage unit. unit. Right. Because our house just doesn't have storage. So you learn to not have some things and, in your house. Only but what you need. We and cut do, down does it bother you that you have a storage unit full of stuff that you're not using? It does me. It <laughs> doesn't bother me because I have what I need in the house. Right. Which we went through for this move and we got rid of anything we didn't weren't gonna need that wasn't gonna be useful. We didn't need winter gear anymore. We didn't need our snow And blower. we got rid of it. Lawnmower, snow blower, we even some of our furniture we got rid of because it's it's it was more of a hassle to move. And our storage unit really now uh is basically a storage place for all my tools anymore because we don't have somewhere to store them. And I have it organized to where you can get in there and get right. things now. Right. But uh, minimalist, being a minimalist, if you're going to do this off-grid lifestyle, I think yeah, it, is a, is a, get some books, do some research. Uh, if you're going I, to be, I don't think you it's You would be uh, surprised how much you get, that you take for granted that you don't use. I don't think it's that you need to be a minimalist to do it but I think it really helps and if nothing else uh, you know when we moved here down here we had a lot of stuff just unnecessary things right and even we, we spent three months yeah even though we had well we had nine months that I was working on this place down here and then we had three months to prepare to move once we got down here, it's it was like, you know, we still have all this stuff that we don't even look at because now we're busy building fences and taking care of the animals and stuff like that. So we went through again, and I bet I sold a, just a pickup load of little miscellaneous stuff that I had, had no use for. That's, if you're, we've seen a lot of, on... Uh, some of the pages people going to make a large you know cross-country move uh, to do to do this you know to to live this life and that's you know like I said that one of the best things I think you can do and you know maybe we didn't necessarily do it but I but in you know in hindsight one of the best things you can do is to go through regardless of where you live and figure out what you cannot live without. Uh, well, I found that I don't need to take a hot shower anymore 
not necessarily every day you can live on a lukewarm shower down here. Yep. Yeah. Whereas when Wisconsin, you had to have hot water. It was a necessity. Yeah. Didn't matter what time of year. That's a good but, point because necessities in each environment are different. Well, and that's what I say about doing your research. You know, one of the things I've always done every time we made these moves is, you know, you can get on the weather service site. Um, if you're looking at West Texas, Texas Tech University has a an awesome uh, meteorological program. And, you know, look at some of the weather data, you know. Well, that weather data, that's when we went to buy an appliances for our our house. I We decided very early on, we're not buying a clothes dryer. We don't need one. There's only a few days a year here that I can't line dry my clothes. Therefore, I'm cutting down on the cost of the equipment. I'm cutting down on the use of electricity. And, you know, and... I like line drying my clothes. Well, and, and the, the point is, you know, you you talk to somebody that was born and raised here, and you ask them, you know, is it hot? And they're like, yeah, it gets pretty warm in the summer. Well, their idea of pretty warm and my <laughs> idea of damn hot are about the same thing, you know. Well, that's, when we were looking at moving down here, we looked at the, the weather data, and between the town we were living in here the the yearly average temperature the if you take the the temperature of every day and average it the average temperature here is 46 degrees warmer than it is there and the average temperature up there for the year was like 48 degrees so that yeah. tells you the winters get really cold yeah right and, you know we lived in texas before we lived in midland yeah. odessa and I thought I was prepared for the heat after we yeah. had lived down here before. No, I was not prepared yeah, we for the heat. It's become totally different. unacclimatized. Well, you guys. It's a different heat down here, even two hours north yeah. direction. That's, uh, you know, and you stop, you guys, what have you been between Montana and Wisconsin? You were, what, about 10 years yep. up there? Close you know? to 10 years. But, uh, you know, we see people come down here and think they're going to live without heat. You know, it, you're in the desert, it gets hot, yeah, but if you've ever been in any desert on a, on a winter night, you know, there's nothing to hold the heat. And, and there's know, huge temperature swings. Yeah, you know, we uh, yesterday was 103 degrees, and this morning when <laughs> I got up, it was 43. We're yeah. all wandering around in hoodies and yeah. pants and you know, everything. You know, and that's that's what I say that that's part of your research. You know, if you're going to have to work, you know, you know, do a little research on what kind of jobs are available. Yeah, you know. yeah, Lee. Make sure that you're going to be settled. Where if something goes wrong, you have a huge expense that, you know. You have a disease goes through and it kills all your chickens, and your chickens are your. Or the transmission goes out in your, your truck. Truck, or you lose the engine in your tractor, or something like that. You got to have a way to be able to, to overcome that, and and it's, 
a sad thing in in today's world that it, the only way to do it it's is all financial you you have to have an income you know you you hear us talk a lot about being debt free again that's you don't have to be debt free to do this but it does make it incredible incredibly easier you know now we're we're blessed yeah i and i it really irritates me when somebody says oh you're lucky you're debt free uh honey that's self-made lucky we worked our tails off to be debt free because we want this lifestyle and so that as tyler touched on earlier you have to have some patience and you have to do some research. You, you've got to sit down and draw up a plan. And when we first decided to come to West Texas, we were already and had been for over 12 years living off-grid in the high country of Colorado. And so we already had a pretty good idea of the equipment that we were going to need, uh, the voltage, wattage, and stuff like that. And now, Tyler, I know that you and Teresa have decided to go solar. And so what are your plans on that? I know that you and your dad have spent the last two days going over numbers and square footage and stuff like that. So what's your plans for uh, going solar? Uh, we're going to try. I think we're going to try and do about a looking at a 7,000, 7,500 watt. You know, when all said and done, it we're not going to do it all at once. It's going to be kind of a piece by piece deal. Uh, but uh, like I said, a seven thousand seventy five hundred watt solar system, and then I believe I'm going to try uh, when I get time. We're going to probably try and do some experimenting with uh, some wind generated uh, generation for power. Are you excited about that? Because the wind blows out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had some to, level, it blows I had to relearn around. to lean to the right when I walk. <laughs> uh, Especially today. Uh, but uh, we're we're looking at doing, you know, like I said, the solar, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be doing a lot of learning. I've never uh, outside of just here and there kind of helping you guys with your stuff. I've never messed with a, a lot of this. Uh, so I'm, you know, learning and I'm learning a lot from dad. That's this morning we spent, oh, probably an hour, uh, just, uh, going through your, uh, uh, our controller, your for, controller our solar, for your yeah. solar and talking about, what you're looking at for each numbers and what it requires and and everything. Again, just, that's where just that support system comes in, whether it's your parents or it's somebody that you've made friends with on a social media a great group neighbor, you know, or yeah. a fantastic neighbor, but uh, and and be adaptable, like Teresa says. When we first there moved was, down uh, here, we didn't have a washer, and I was fed up with hand washing clothes in a Rubbermaid tote. It was starting to get on my last damn nerve. And I was sitting out here on a bucket one day trying to convince myself to do the laundry and I eyeballed Charlie's cement mixer. 
Well, for the next six months, guess how I did laundry? I did laundry in a cement mixer. Worked great. You know, you have to be a adaptable. Messy. <laughs> it was a little messy. But you have to be adaptable and you have to be prepared for those challenges. Something as simple as doing the laundry is a challenge. Yeah. And you need to think about that. Well, that's, I was watching one video and, and I, I don't even remember who it was or what, but they said one of the first things that they thought you needed to do was was form your tribe. And I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. And the point she made was, you know, it don't have to be your next door neighbor. And, and ours is Tony and Stu yeah, in Idaho. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys follow Shed Cabin on Facebook. Uh, or Breaking Free Off or Grid. Or Breaking Free Off Grid, uh, Tony and Stu Rinker. You know, they're part of our tribe. You know, we, we talked to them. And we started this is at the same time. Yeah, they started their uh, their shed cabin adventure about the same time we did. And, you know, we pass ideas back and forth and talk. And, you know, they're part of our tribe. And they're, they're part of our support. They're closer system. to the, well, I don't know. Maybe we're closer to the Mexican border than they are the Canadian border. But, you know, we're clear across the country. But you need that support, it, even if it's just, you know, there there's some some groups on Facebook. There's some different, uh, uh, I guess, or social media groups. It's not as associated with the big ones, some blog sites and stuff. You know, where you can meet people and communicate and ask questions and get advice and and something I'm finding is our local farmers market. You know, <laughs> the people there. You know, they're. Once you visit once, you've made family. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and and one gentleman had some little tomatoes, and he's like, here, try one of them. And I, I mean, one of the best tasting tomatoes I ever, you know, ever tasted. And and then he... Ended up a two-hour conversation on yeah, and, what and, kind of tomatoes and how to grow them in this area. And when I left there, I had a couple more of the tomatoes, and he's like, take these he they're heirlooms you can plant the seeds out of them you know and and now i've got about a half a dozen of those plants growing again that's you know? a support system yeah. we yeah. know that we can pick up the phone and call this guy yeah. uh get your support system and be prepared for lifestyle changes and if you don't understand yeah. about lifestyle changes move from rural wisconsin or urban i'm sorry urban wisconsin to the desert of West Texas, 10 miles off the Mexican border, and call me a week later and tell me how much of a lifestyle change yeah. it was. Well, the, well this, this entire country, uh, that's one thing that the U.S. is, uh, there's so many cultures and, and, and everything throughout this country. Uh, and there, there's great people in any culture. There's also bad. Right. But... Uh, you know, this area, uh, I really don't think we could have found a better area. The, uh, the support system for our kids through our local school system here is amazing. Uh, we've got some really good neighbors out here uh, that'll they'll give you the shirt off their back, I, I think. And that's another part of your uh, due diligence and your research. If you're planning on moving to some place that you've, never even seen never put feet on the ground make a vacation take a take a weekend go camping 
out there, wherever you're going. Talk to some of the local people. See what you're getting yeah. yourself into. Go hang out in the parts store for an hour of the morning. There you go. The hardware store. <laughs> Uh, a lot of you know, little we got a little. Uh, I guess you call it a consignment shop here in town. <laughs> and there, there are little places like that all over the country, and you and meet some of the local people and get a feel for the community in the area you're wanting to go. That's one of the things that we see here that is so hard for us. Uh, our kids are grown, as you can tell, because Tyler's sitting here. Uh, talking like an adult and has a wife and two teenage kids. But uh, we see a lot of people move here from urban areas to a very small border town. And the lifestyle change for their teenage kids is overwhelming. Yes. It's overwhelming for them. And so you have to, you have to take that into account too when you're going to do this. But if this is what you want to do, by all means, do it. Yeah. You've got one life, guys. You know, yeah. do it. Make a plan. Like I said, start off. If, if you're interested in moving to an area go and going off grid, take a long weekend. You know, get on, get on the Internet. Do something smart with your smartphone. You know, there are several of these budget airlines. Uh, I know Frontier, when we were... Trying trying to do this a once a year deal, you could look and if you did it in advance, we uh, did their twenty nine dollar fares. You could get twenty nine dollar one way tickets. It was sixty bucks per person there and back. Yeah, twenty nine dollars one way from Wisconsin to here. You know, and they. Well, I think the way things are now, most all the airlines, you know. Right, they're hurting for business, so they. Well, earlier in this conversation, uh, Tyler brought up something that I kind of want to bring up, and I'm not trying to stir any pots here. I am not trying to be political in any way, shape, or form. Uh, But he was talking about, and Charlie has touched on this numerous times. Hang on a second. Tyler's getting ready to run the ice maker. Getting water. No, he's just getting a glass of water. But anyway, uh, one of the reasons that we chose this area and one of the reasons that Tyler and Teresa chose this area were the lack of building codes or restrictions. There are so many places out there and we see these people that go and buy their land and they want to do the off-grid or they want to do the homesteading and after they purchase the land find out that that's not plausible. They're not going to be allowed to. Well, that's Do part you of guys think that the government, I, I know this is kind of political and I'm not trying to be political, but I honestly feel that the government doesn't want us self-sustainable because uh, a scared people and a hungry people are con- very controllable people. Well, it is. It's in back to the building code part of it. That's what I say, do your research, because most areas, it's county by county. Uh, you know, and you can get a hold of your, your county clerk's office, and and they will put you in touch if there's a building department. And, you know, call and ask questions. That, that's part of your research, and see. It was so sad. Uh, a couple summers ago, we saw, what, 10 to 25, well, maybe not 25, 10 to 15 
families that were doing the shed to cabin conversion and living out of uh, big remodeled buses. They had turned buses into small homes or tiny yeah. homes that were no longer allowed to do that and pushed off their land and or pushed out of their homes. They still own the land, but they can't live the way that they were dreaming of. Yeah, and, and a perfect example of that is the county we lived in in Colorado. Oy vey. They didn't consider anything under 600 square foot as inhabitable. And you could not get an occupancy permit, you know, an okay from the county to live in your house if it was under 600 square foot, you know. And then the next county over the mountains, they had absolutely no building codes. You know, it was like it is here. You know, and, and there's a lot of people out there with a lot of knowledge. But laws change, and like I said, especially with the building codes and stuff, uh, you know, there's such a variation. You need to personally, like I said, the county clerk's office in every county is kind of the central hub of the courthouse. You know, that's where all the land records are done. <laughs> that's where most all the regulations run through that. Sometimes they'll just hand you the book and tell you to yeah. go sit over yeah. there in the hallway and find what you need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and that's the whole, that's with the county clerk deal, a point I want to make, not to interrupt. No, but, no, no, please no, do. Uh, that's going to these, you know, if you're looking at moving into a community to do this, that's part of the the whole uh, uh, process. Process. process or, you know, when you go down and travel, like I said, go to the local parts store. Yeah. You know, you, you go in any parts store in any small town in this country and you're going to find... Probably an older an older guy that'll talk to a fence post, yeah. uh, or you know the the local guy the local farmer that's just passing through grabbing his uh, belt for the day or something, and you can ask them about where who you need to talk to, yeah, where the location of these are, and you can ask them questions on, you know, from them dealing with it, living in the area how things are in the county. Yeah, you know, and, and you will find, especially if you've never really been to a, a an extremely rural area, you'll find pretty much anywhere in the country that the rural areas, the people are, are friendly, they're helpful, and, and like Tyler said, you know, you can find the, the parts store or the uh, hardware store or you know, if there's only one mechanic shop in town, a lot of times, you know, <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning, half the old men in town are there drinking coffee. That's and, because he has a coffee pot. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or, or a local, you know, little mom and pop cafe, you know, yep. where all the old farmers go for their morning coffee, you know. But you'll find that the people in the rural areas are, are, I don't necessarily want to say more helpful, but they're more apt to be straight with you. Yeah. 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 And if you're if you going to ask do them the a question, they'll thing, give you an answer. Look up some off grid people in your area. Yeah. 
touch base with them. You do not know how many times Tyler and Teresa have been here when we've had somebody come up the driveway because they've purchased land and they want to live off grid. And we've ended up cooking a meal and saying, okay, be prepared for this. And it, a lot of times it was stuff they never even fathomed. They yeah. never even, you know, gave a second thought to. You know, just do your diligence. And if you want to do this, by all means, do it. Yeah. But don't put you or your children in harm's way or in a financial bind yeah. and have don't some kind yourself. of support system. You know, and, and talking about, you know, support system, uh, just yesterday, you know, I was, I don't even remember what I was doing and I heard Shelly talking on the phone and our neighbor's water well quit and they called and, and they they're, had, they're elderly. Yeah. And they're, they're both up in their seventies and, uh, they had called because they had, uh, talk to uh, the rancher that we get water from if they could get water from that well also and and he was like yeah no problem get all you need just get a hold of Charlie and have him show you how to do it you know and it's funny it's uh, you know if you go over there you know you, we'll sit on the porch and have a glass of iced tea or something but we're not I want to say that we're not social. We are, but you know, they're busy. We're busy. You know, we may go months and not even talk to each other, but just like that, when you're in a bind, you know, well, you pick well, up the call, but yeah, you ran right over and, and yeah, yeah, and then, them, showed them what to do. And I went over the next morning. I've got water well experience yeah. and diagnosed their problem on their water well and, Yep, and yeah. help them get somebody coming to get their well fixed, you know. But for people that aren't used to that, though, that are coming from an urban area, these people aren't being nosy, guys. Yeah. They're, they're not being nosy. They're being helpful. They're interested in what you're doing, you know. They're, they're not being nosy. Well, and the thing, the, the other side of that is, you know, it's not that we don't get along with them. It's not that we don't like them. It's just that, you know, uh, they've got a lot of things going on. You know, they've got some health issues and they run a horse rescue and they're busy and we're trying to get a lot of things going here. And Tyler's when, or Tyler's yeah. kids, well, grandson, our grandson is, went yeah. over there and helped him throw hay. Yeah, you know, you know and, and it's just, that's the way it is. But most of the people in a rural area, you know, that's the way they are. They've got their own things they're doing and they're busy. It's not that they don't like you or, or think ill of you, you know, but most people in rural areas are good, straightforward, honest people. Now, like anywhere else, there are some that are not, but. Oh, and it's, that's that whole uh, networking thing, meeting people in a community. Cause especially if you're moving to a, a rural town, you know, a small town, you're going to find out real quick, uh, who to avoid, who to avoid. <laughs> You'll, you're going to find it's out an awful thing to say. Well, no, and it's <laughs> not in a bad thing. You're going to find people that are, there's going to be people you meet that'll do anything for you. Just absolutely wonderful people. 
there's going to be people that you get along with, but you, you won't want to have anything to do, but, you know, Ooh, conversation in passing. I know And there's going to be people you want to avoid. I know something that I learned very quickly uh, moving from Colorado to West Texas, uh, that when a Mexican woman tells you that her food or salsa is not hot, she's lying. <laughs> Well, that's what, like Tyler said, you know, take a visit to the area, you know, and, and I'd said, you know, to the local people, no, it don't get hot. If you're coming from up along the Canadian border, I'm telling you right now, there's not very many places in Texas that it don't get hot. A cool, a cool summer day here is a hot, sweltering day in Wisconsin. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so be prepared for that, guys. Yeah, it's, you a, know, and it's not just a lifestyle change. It's an environmental change. Well, it's, like I said, it's take the time you know, in your research. Plan a visit to the community you want to go to. Because this community, or the closest town to us here, if you come up on a town, it it, it really looks like a... Uh, not necessarily run down, but an old. Yeah, not real prosperous. Not, not real prosperous little border. It was a town. stop on a railroad line. And but you know you go in and I go in the hardware store. It takes me forty five minutes to get out of there if I got to buy a plug for an extension cord. Yeah. Uh, the consignment shop, which he carries anything and everything at, at any kind of price, or will buy any or sell you anything at a certain price yeah <laughs> the same way you can't get out of there without being in there well out, and this you know. off-grid stuff though also the environmental changes i was talking about we came from the high country of uh colorado and uh and we were all on solar there 100 percent solar and uh get down here to west texas and the amount of sunshine we had made a big uh, impact on how many batteries, how many solar panels and stuff like that we were going to have. Because in Colorado, we lived in the forest. We had 60-foot lodgepole and ponderosa pines all around us. And so about 4 o'clock in the evening, we would lose our sunlight. Here, we have sunlight from about... 7 15 a.m. Our solar panels actually start making sunlight or energy before the sun ever comes over the horizon. Right, because there's so much sun here. And so when I'm saying environmental impact, yeah. that's one of them. If you're going to do off-grid and you're going to do solar, look at that. There's all kinds of websites to look up what there's the solar patterns are in your area or the area that you're wanting to go to and that's part of the doing your research and looking at weather data you know that can dictate how much money you have to spend on a solar system on a solar system on if you're wanting to produce your own food yeah. gardening yeah even raising livestock you know yeah. that's been one of and our biggest challenges here and i i truly to the tips of my toes, believe that Charlie and I are a success at what we're doing here. Uh, we do make a little bit of money off of our farm, uh, and we're getting bigger every day, every week, basically. But the gardening, this is the desert, folks. There's some stuff that just flat won't grow well, <laughs> out here in this dirt. Well, that's there and that's a we challenge. Were. And if you're planning on being self-sustainable, you need to know that 
you're going to have to spend at least one whole season preparing your soil for this area for yeah. this area but that's something to look at too is if you're planning on being able to raise your own food where we were living in wisconsin you know of a summertime you could grow anything outside uh, any kind of outside of citrus fruit uh because it got it's just too cold for it but outside you could grow just almost anything and then with a, a heated greenhouse you could continue your growing season and then you come to if you come to an area like this you know we have the the art growing season you know we're 200 plus days you can easily get two crops of long-term vegetables in yeah. yeah yeah you know in this area you've got a long term uh, a long growing season but the soil isn't that good the the water isn't that good and uh you can't use a greenhouse <laughs> up here you actually have to build a shade house because it'll get too hot in a greenhouse yeah. and bake your plants our water and soil here is so alkaline that we were actually killing our plants the first year that we tried to garden and it had Charlie scratching his head. We had to get soil testing. We had to go to the conservation office and get reports and stuff like that. And that's what I was talking about, obstacles that are going to sneak up on you that you're not expecting. Yeah, and, you know, and it's, well, the visiting an area, just looking at the area, you should be able, you, you will have an idea of how well things will grow. You know, you look out here and there's sparse bits of, uh, Bermuda grass, mesquite, uh, some Harvest. cactus, uh, and a few other little bushes and stuff like that. But there's not and a lot snakes. else. Yeah, a lot of snakes, <laughs> spiders. Those uh, are not spiders; they're tarantulas. No, they're spiders. They're spiders. They're just big spiders. <laughs> they're just regular spiders. Walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's a duck. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and like I said, I found that. The biggest key on my garden is, is water. And, you know, we get, I think our average rainfall is 11 inches a year. And we get most of that in July and August. You know, but I'm finding that if you can get the water to the plants that they need and shade them from the sun and the heat of the summer, that you can grow just about anything down here. Yeah. Yeah. And depending on your area you know you just that's something you got to look at if that's your plan you know you can't move from iowa or kentucky or even east Carolina, texas east texas <laughs> and dive off in say a place out here or or southern arizona southern new mexico oh and there are so many people that are doing that there you can't jump off expecting to grow your own food it's possible people do it people been doing it for hundreds of hundreds years. of years but there's a learning curve to it and you got to be prepared knowing what you're going into it took us two full seasons for charlie yeah. to get his garden to where it's producing like it is yeah you've got to you've got to be prepared to to take on that learning curve and know and, and you have to be prepared that there are going to be failures. 
Well, I think part of the learning curve also out here, there's limited food, and so anything that sees your green garden yep, yep. is going to get to it no matter what. Oh, yeah. That was huge setbacks for you guys, right? Our, yeah. our, our first, the first I put in, man, I got beans and peas and, and carrots and tomatoes all and sprouting onions. and growing, and, and in two days, rabbits wiped them out. And the cows. Well, the first it was the rabbits. Oh, I mean, they yeah. just, every time a bean sprouted get an inch tall, they'd eat it. I saw a meme here a while back about Corriente cattle are the goats of the cow world. They are. <laughs> they and, can you know, flat foot jump over a three-strand barbed wire fence. Well, that's, we can't just, keep our Corriente cattle in because they flat foot jump cattle guards. <laughs> you know? But, you know, and, and then... Spring this year, I'd put a, a, they call it a rabbit guard wire that's about three foot tall around to keep the rabbits out. Well, the cows just step over it, and when the grass starts dying in the heat, man, they're all in the garden, you know. You know, and that's part of the research, you know. Yeah, yeah, look into, you know, if you're going to do your own food production, you need to know what you can garden out here. We see a lot of people come out here well, I say a lot, quite a few people come out here because this is ranching country. It, it has been since the for start centuries. of the, yeah, for centuries. And they come out here with this grand plan that they're going to be ranchers. <laughs> uh, and they'll buy 60 acres and plan to ranch. I'm and sorry. This area out here, they don't recommend running more than one cow per 100 acres. Yeah. You know, and you, you can, can, but you have to feed them. You can, but you have to feed them. And that's costly. And it, you know, so you have to take into that if you're going to try and raise livestock. You have to look, you know, not just for our area, for the fact that it it's it's hard to raise cattle. You get into northern part or livestock. You get into northern parts of the country, and there's some livestock or animals that are not hardy enough to survive the winters uh same way you know certain breeds that you can raise in the north you get down here you can't raise because they'll sunburn and yeah and all kinds of stuff that's vice uh, versa. that's one reason the, we have a rabbitry the the coriente cows we laugh about them but they literally they thrive where even you don't see many jackrabbits but, and they're crazy <laughs> well they got to be because <laughs> You know, to fight off the coyotes and stuff down here. But, you know, I don't think, I don't know that they would survive very far north, you know. Yeah, I don't think they would. It, you know, but they, they whether, do excellent down here. Whether you have cows or goats, ducks or chickens. Dogs, anything. Like I said, it's, it's that's an environmental part of, change. And, it's yeah. an, you, and that's got to be part of your research, yep. you know. Yeah. You know, because that's our plan, uh, kind of. Going back to what our plans for the place are is eventually we want to be, you know, even if we're not completely self-sufficient, we want to have a garden. Uh, you guys are in a actually a better area for this area to garden. Uh, we're not so much uh, in the short distance between our places here. The soil is completely different. Yeah. And... Uh, 
I would have to haul soil in to plant a garden where I'm at. Oh, I that's think, okay. You can come borrow our soil because we haul rock off from your place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's uh, right. You can have some gravel you know, so and we'll we're, take some sand. So we're looking at having to do something like a uh, a half buried greenhouse slash shade house. You know, a it's high tunnel. Have, uh, it won't be a high tunnel. Yeah. It'll probably actually have to be buried yeah. to help keep the temperature down. Yeah, utilize the, uh, the geothermal. To help keep it cool uh, yeah. to be able to run it, to have a garden. Uh, and that's in the plans for us. But there again, too, you get in some parts of the country and you don't have much of a growing season. So you're going to rely heavily on on high tunnels or uh, a temperature controlled greenhouse. Well, you was talking about your plans and stuff. How long do you think it'll be before you're living full-time on your property? That's an excellent question. I would like to say (laughs) a year, but I'm not that optimistic right now. (laughs) There's always always setbacks. You've got to be prepared for those. And we are so proud of you guys because you are doing it smartly. You're doing your diligence. You're not... uh, I don't know what's the word, the phrase "living hand to mouth." Yeah. Trying to do it, you're you're doing it smartly. You're doing it wisely. You're researching, you're and you're figuring out as you go. And you guys are being very patient. Well, and like now, school has started. Both of the boys are in football, so the amount of time spent out here is and, severely limited. And I only have a week. Yes, because it's West Texas, and Friday nights you don't miss football in west texas that's like against that's your a religion, religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, where was that going well, <laughs> his train of thought jumped track and part of our problem you know i like I said having an income you have to have some sort of income to be able to whether even if you're if you can get to where your homestead or whatever you want to call it Let's is, say legal so, income. <laughs> yeah, legal income. If it if it will support you and your family, that is fantastic. But in the real world, things come up. Stuff is expensive, and with my job, like I said, we were lucky in the fact that I did not have to find another career uh, because I travel and I can go from anywhere it doesn't matter where i'm at really as long as i can get on a plane within an hour or two and you also you're very blessed you're very lucky you have a wife that is very adaptable self-sufficient herself very self-sufficient she's very stubborn she's very strong stubborn yes (laughs) and and i don't i i'm not trying to offend anybody here but if you're uh of a weak nature or if weak-willed or lazy this this guy's is this is a tough lifestyle and i there's an old man here in town well we don't live in town but there's an old man in town that says this is hard country and we're hard people and that rings so true down here and whether you're off-gridding like i said before in idaho or colorado arizona texas or whatever most this, of the time, you're this in a isn't hard easy. area. You know? This yeah. isn't easy. You've got to work at it, folks. Mm. And we do. We work very hard at it. And we still have catastrophic failures. Well, yeah. you know, so many people walk into this lifestyle thinking, 
I can live for nothing. This is going to be easier than working a job. And I can do it before winter. Yeah. And it takes time. It yep. takes money. Yes, I I will say, you know, that, you know, we've got a, a a nice house. We've got a a pretty good size solar system. You know, we've got a wind generator. We've got chickens, livestock. We have cows, you know, we have bunnies. But you know, we've been going on four years, and I haven't quite got the trim finished in the house. You know, it just it takes time. Yeah, you know, well, and, and you end up. I I don't know. I imagine we easily got just in the the homestead part of it. I'd imagine we got a hundred thousand dollars in it. But that's you know that's a tractor. I was going to say that's the property, yeah. the house, the livestock, water tanks, water, yeah. water tanks, the Trailers. water system. Yeah, that's that's what I say. You know, people think, oh well. You know, and we're not saying you have to have a hundred thousand no, dollars. No, to I'm do just this. saying that you, so many many people come out here and think they can do it for nothing, and you can't. You know, you got to have. If you don't have an abundant source of finances, you got to have a game plan in place. You know. You yeah. know what? Start off. Just see if you can do it. Put two hundred dollars cash in your pocket. Put your ATM in a drawer and see if you and your family can live on $200 a week. Yeah. And see if you can do it. And if you can't, okay, next time try well, $300. Well, try that, you know, try doing that. Do it with your normal lifestyle. Yeah. Try cutting out because if you're going to go off grid, there's a good chance you're going to be Running a generator. <laughs> well, not necessarily even that, but you're gonna be you're gonna be out of town. Yeah, you're ninety nine percent chance in a rural area. A rural and, area, so and then, more than likely a remote area. And a remote area. Well, you get into you get into the southern part of the southwestern U.S. here, and, and water's not easy to come by. So try doing that, and then plan on you got to drive. 60 miles because you need water. There was something I read not long ago that that really, really shocked me. The USGS, the US Geological Service, said that the average water consumption per person in the United States is 150 to 180 gallons a day. It's like per person, per person, per day. So you stand there, you turn the sink on, you wet your toothbrush, you brush your teeth. Yeah, while well, the water's running. Right, I'm severely guilty of that washing the dishes. I let the hot water flat out yeah. while I'm washing them. And, and you know that's what we talk about. You know, you know, try and, and you know part of your research is get a one of those five gallon jugs of water and see if your family can make it through one day on that. You know, because they say for a bare minimum amount of water for survival is one gallon per person per day. That's basic hygiene, drinking and cooking, one gallon per day. You know, see if you can, you know, I'm not saying, you know, harm yourself by doing it, but 
you know, if you're a family of, of two, you know, see if you can make it through the day on five gallons of water. And you know? and then if you have kids, for every kid, that amount is going to have to increase. And yeah. with younger kids, it's, it's, even going, higher. it's going to increase even yeah, more. Because, you know, with babies, there's a lot more washing and cleaning. Yeah, and and kids, kids are not going to understand you. the waste factor of it. Yeah. Here's another challenge for you folks. Try eating out only one time per month. Yeah, or, or right now, let's just go with eliminate one cup of Starbucks coffee a day. <laughs> you know, really, I mean... Well, look how it was when we first moved down here. We were not in a Walmart for 14 months. Yeah. We didn't step inside a Walmart store for 14 months. And the and only then, reason is it wasn't logical, you know. It's well, the nearest the Walmart's, Walmart's 130 miles, you know. The next closest one's 140. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, and you'll hear me say this a lot, you know. You don't have to do it all. Just do something, you yeah. know. Take your electric bill and see what your kilowatt hour usage per month is. And try to cut that by 10%. For the next month's bill and if and i mean you'll be amazed and just as simple as turn off lights when you're not in a room unplugging chargers <laughs> yeah your cell phone chargers sit there and sip a little bit of electricity 24 7. they don't need to be plugged into the wall when you're not charging your phone because if you if you decide to go the off-grid life even if you have solar and stuff if you're not paying attention to your usage once you use up your storage it, it, the light lights and everything go off you there's no yeah there's you have no, no <laughs> nobody to call to come get them back on you yeah. just without electricity till the sun comes back up you know yeah, yeah but that that's what i say you know your first step to moving towards off-grid before you even get estimates for solar systems or anything First of all, you've got to conserve because when you're off grid, you have a finite amount of electricity. You know, what electricity we got until daylight tomorrow is what's in those batteries. It ain't just a continuous flow. You know, what water we've well, got is what is in those batteries. You don't have to blow tank. dry your hair. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have I, any hair. Yeah, helps that I don't have any hair. But no. I mean, and we're all raised in a society that has become such a, a gluttonous society, you know, and it's, you know, and we got a real good dose when Rowdy came down to live with us, you know. A 15-year-old boy. Yeah, I think the first two months, I bet 30 times a day, Rowdy turned that light off because he's been raised where electricity is at the switch of a light uh and a flip of a flip switch, of a switch. Yeah. or 30 and 40 minute showers yeah and you know. like dude <laughs> you know and, and so that really and that's something you can start wherever you are right now today is start working on start conserving on, your water start conserving your power yeah and while you're doing that sit down and figure out what you absolutely cannot live with that yeah. like i said because once you start it you'll find out that you want to be spending money on solar panels rather than eating out or or whatever and you know me i 
You know, I'd rather be spending money on rabbits right now than anything. And <laughs> tractor supply, you go in tractor supply yeah. at I I, I too much. Yeah, too much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to touch on something real lightly here. Uh, it it it's comical uh, to us uh, when we first moved down here. Our parents, uh, who are elderly were very concerned when they got out their Rand McNally Atlas and saw how close we were to the Mexican border. And it was, I don't know how many phone calls per day. Are you guys okay? You know, aren't you scared? Da, 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 da. And uh, it was such a lifestyle change for us. Instead of a, a police car or a sheriff's department, car you know driving by the house we have border patrol going across the pasture and uh we quickly became used to it uh it's no different than a police car driving down the street of whatever town you live in we're just we're so close to the border and there's so many border patrol stations here that it's very they're i don't know what the, you know they're there they're Everywhere you look, there's, you know, a white pickup with the green stripe. And even places you don't see them. And even places you don't see them, because they are sneaky. Yes, they are. But, they, uh... but I got really tickled. Uh, our son and daughter-in-law have been down here numerous times where they've bought the land. And uh, here close to us, and uh, and they've seen Border Patrol in action, let's put it that way, you know, around here. Now, they have, Charlie has had his earbuds in listening to music, working on the garden, and looked up, and there's a Border Patrol agent standing four foot away from him and scared the tar out of him. But the best one yet is my big, strong son was going back to town the other night at late, and... We've been sitting in the yard watching a meteor shower. Yeah, we've been yep. sitting and watching... It was about one o'clock in the morning. And... All of a sudden, Border Patrol saw a vehicle that they didn't recognize from this area. I had no clue a, where they were at. <laughs> without a state tags. And the next thing Tyler and Teresa knows... We are surrounded. You were surrounded by Border Patrol. <laughs> and uh, for a lot of people, that is a scary situation. And it is. An, it's an intimidating experience because we've had it happen to us. Yeah, when a Border Patrol... When the Border Patrol stopped, stopped you, it's not one agent in one vehicle. No. It, it, it was, I think, five of them <laughs> in five different vehicles. <laughs> you know, and it's it's such a lifestyle change, but we've, we've got where we know the dispatcher at the Border Patrol on a first-name basis, and it doesn't... It doesn't hurt anything that her son and our grandson play football together. And so uh, it's... For us, it's a, a a protective thing. We feel protected. We feel safe because we know that they're in the area. And yes, because uh, I know we're going to get the questions on Way Out West Texas, do we have problems with the illegals? We have only had one minor problem with the illegals. Most of the time when they come through, they're begging for food and water. And they're not they're not out to hurt us and the last two bunches were looking for someone to call border patrol for <laughs> because they were lost yeah. but it's just a lifestyle change and so be prepared for 
especially if you're coming from an urban area, go into a rural area, uh, you know, something as simple as a Border Patrol agent, you know, rolling up in your well, yard. A Border Patrol agent, a BLM officer, game warden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same way, you know, you get up on the Canadian border, you're going to run into the same thing. There's going to be immigration up there, too. <laughs> yeah. Or ICE or whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to call it. But, and then you're going to have to get used to that. If something, if you're making a move to a rural area being off grid, if you pick up the phone and call in some areas you know, like this, they have, I believe it's five deputies now mm-hmm. in the largest county in Texas or second largest, something like that. Yeah. Uh, if they're working something in the north end of the county, you're talking and, two hours. And we away. have to call, it's two hours. at best for them to get here uh but a lot of these small communities across the country you know that some towns the the town we grew up in they had what one cop a chief of police and a sheriff's deputy yeah uh but you know you get in areas like this the the count the county sheriffs work with the border patrol they work with the Texas Department of Safety and 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 everything. And because it's a salt, small community, I mean, everybody's going to know any issue that's going on in the law enforcement. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's another thing, and, and you don't really hear a lot about. You know, your, your law enforcement guys, whether it's Border Patrol or or Texas State Trooper, or County Deputy, or whatever, get to know them. You know, the way this area is set up, they assign you an address, but it's only a GPS number is all they have. (laughs) Now, we're fortunate that it's pretty direct into our place. There are some of these places out here that you may have to go two miles past it and come in and around from the backside. You know, if you have a medical emergency, you need a, a game plan. And if those guys know who you are and they know you and know where you're at. You cut your travel time. You know, that may, at some point, time. that may save your life, you know. And, and a lot of these communities, these small communities, if you move into an area, even if you don't go through and make, you know, introduce yourself in town, do some, uh, you know, communicate with people and stuff, these small towns, people are going to know when you're there. Uh, <laughs> it's just the way a small town is. That, the deal with the Border Patrol the other night, yeah. or last month when I got stopped, you know, they were, they were actually looking for some people. And, you know, I told him, you know, hey, my name's Tyler. You know, I'm the house, that, you know, the place that's being done up, you know, up here in this area. And, oh, okay, we know who you are, you know. Yeah. Well, that's when the illegals were out here the other day. They actually sent some Border Patrol agents up from Marfa because they were closer. And he, they didn't know us. And he called me, the agent did. And he was sitting down at the cattle guard, you know, look, you're right. Tan house, blue trim with the barking dogs. 
oh, okay, yeah, I see where you're at. <laughs> you know? yeah. And all the agents around here that are local, all you got to tell them is tan house, blue trim with the big barking dog. Oh, yeah, we know where that's at. Yep. You know, to a lot of people listening to this podcast, they're going to think, oh, my word, that is some backwoods redneck well, stuff. But you know and what? it's not. It's, we it's are life so, in rural America. It is. We are so proud of our lifestyle here. And I'm so proud of the people around us. Uh, we have one couple that we're really kind of keeping an eye on. They're trying to do the off-grid thing. Uh they're doing it with a bumper pool camper yeah. and gallon jugs of water. Uh, that's their water system, but our hat's off to them. They're, they're trying hard, but we're there and we've made it known. You know, we're there if they have questions or if they need something. Uh, and they've already a couple, well, three times have called, hey, help. And that's, you know, and I always... That's that learning curve. When I introduce myself to somebody that comes out here, you know, and I tell them, I say, hey, you know, we're really not real social people. You know, we're, we're not at going out or going to people's houses. You know, we stay pretty much to ourselves. But here's my phone number. If, if, if you you're in a something. bind, do not hesitate to call or do not hesitate to knock on my door. And that's the way pretty much everybody out in this area is. And that's is. how it is in rural America. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, everybody's busy, you know. Well, and uh, you and I, well, that, that was last summer, I believe it was, maybe last fall, had a couple out here. They bought some land, sight unseen, uh, trying to find it. <laughs> Never, uh, I, I don't remember... I believe they were from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, never even been in this part of the country. Never been before. in this part of the country. Never even thought about living a rural lifestyle, let alone an off-grid lifestyle. And and that was, we made it a point that, you know, anything they need, you know, you know where we're at now, you stumble on us, and, you know, this how you get a hold of us, and... And, and it's funny, like two days later, we run into, into them, them at 130 miles away at, at a Home Depot. Home Depot in El Paso. <laughs> but they're, uh, they were here last week. I seen their pickup down there when I was out checking cows. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a lot of these small communities, you know, don't be afraid to talk to people. Yeah. You know. and, Ask questions. You know, yeah. The worst they can do, I mean, not necessarily the worst they can do, but, you know, now, At worst, they're going to chase you off, tell you to leave, and yeah, go to a neighbor. And, yeah, and you just know not to go back there again. Yeah, yeah. But if you do come down to West Texas, uh, never ask if the salsa is hot, yeah. because they will always tell you no. Assume, <laughs> and, and it's funny, assume everybody's carrying a gun. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, and it's, and it's not for... What you'd carry a gun in a city for? It's, it's for, not for belligerence. If rattlesnakes, you r- rattlesnakes, or if coyotes you come across a, a down horse, a downed horse, or or something, you know. It's just, like I said, <laughs> this is hard, rugged country, and you know the people here are hard and rugged also. But if y'all have any questions, uh, please get a hold of us on Way Out West Texas. Like I said, you'll notice. Then in the last couple of months, our son Tyler and his wife Teresa have 
started on their off-grid home down here. And you'll also notice that our daughter Chelsea and her husband Corey have started on their farmstead homestead in Colorado. They bought a significant amount of property and they're getting started. And we put both Tyler and Chelsea on as administrators on Way Out West Texas. So please visit us on Facebook, Way Out West Texas. See what our stories are all about. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free. Be sure to subscribe and notify so that you so that you're alerted when we post new content. Any any comment or questions if if you're trying to get into this lifestyle, if you've got questions and and you're just not what sure, you know, even if it's just trying to figure out there what are no way stupid you want to go. You know, if you're just looking for advice on it or uh, trying to get started up, you know, hit us up with that. I'm going to answer three questions real quick that we get all the time. Yes, we eat the rabbits. Yes, we have running water in our house, and the big horse's name is Pal, and the white horse's name is Freckles. <laughs> all right, till next time, guys. Thanks. Thank you. I think that was a really good one. I really, really do. Now, Tyler, how do you get Charlie? How do you get it on Anchor and all those? And I know you. Uh, I know how on this. I, That's why I did this because I do know how. I heard so recording or. No. Sure? I don't think it oh, is. God, your sister needs to get yeah. a math tutor. <laughs> <laughs>